Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Billy Harris to talk all about his role as Colin on Ted Lasso. And I wanted to kind of start by going back a little bit in terms of when the character started becoming much more fleshed out for you, which it sounds like was really the turning point was season two yeah. when he first started going to see Dr. Sharon and he was kind of like one of the first, if not the first player to kind of voluntarily go into her office. And, mm -hmm. you know, at the time we didn't know what he was speaking to her about, but we knew that he was getting real results and that it was really monumental for him. And you've spoken a little bit about how you immediately had questions questions yourself about, well, what are these conversations behind this closed door? Because for you, it was helpful to know. And I was, I was interested if you kind of started to get keyed into more details of his backstory and where his story was potentially going to go in season three to be able to kind of start building upon that because the show's always kind of interlaced details before we get to know them as an audience. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's one thing as, as an actor and as well, I mean, I wanted nothing but for Colin character to grow in in the world of Ted Lasso so whatever way we were going to go go down there you know that was that was it but of course I saw that he was going into therapy so I thought if someone's going into therapy they're talking about something and we're not I don't know who knows Jason knows <laughs> um, uh, so yeah I just um, I went and yeah had that had that conversation and then they said it was something that we were going to uh, tackle in uh, series three and yeah so I just kind of had um yeah, I think that it was just, it was one of excitement. It was one of, wow. And and almost like, although I'd been just really enjoying the character and mainly focusing on him as a footballer, it was like something like, wow, okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Colin has been going through this. And that was a real big turning point for me that, you know, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking because from season one to season three, episode three, you don't, the audience has not really seen the real him um so that was something that yeah I just organically prepared for and uh yeah was just really excited nervous um and happy to to be doing that I mean I, I love as well that when you look at a lot of your performance in the ensemble scenes you know when it's the team in the locker room especially that there's these very kind of nuanced aspects to a lot of your performance there's moments where Colin says something that is actually truthful but he's saying it as a joke to kind of cover up and seeing how people respond mm. um, you know it's whether he makes eye contact with people or doesn't look at them as certain conversations are going on in the room and so what were some of the challenges that came with finding those really minute ways to to play where the audience kind of when you go back you can kind of like see where Colin's at and kind of like get that sense of his internal side even though he's not actually telling anybody out loud yet yeah it was it was really it was a lot of eye acting you know it was a lot of like if the camera was on me I thought you know because he is in a world where he is he is silent you know and he's in he does not know what to say and I think that that is you can tell from his sometimes as well I always thought that he was a bit of the like the butt of the joke sometimes or things kept happening to him and I think that was because he wasn't in his right self he wasn't he wasn't the real him and his performance on the field wasn't wasn't great um and that was because he wasn't 100 he wasn't 100 truthful to himself so yeah of course when sometimes the camera's on you if there's like a TED speech or if there's something that someone's saying so all I had to do was if there was anything that would would lend, I don't know, to maybe some kind of toxic masculinity or someone said something and the real Colin would either would take maybe offense to that or whatever, but he just can't, he can't say that. He can't say his truth. So that was it really. It was just, yeah, doing it with my eyes. <laughs> you know, just but a lot of people do that. A lot of people go through life and they 
they get really annoyed about something that someone said and then they don't pull up pull them up on it and we do do it in the workplace or something like that and then it, it then affects your whole day and I think that that was what you saw in season two especially is that was that was Colin's life yeah I've heard you say as well that that you found that there was a lot of breath work and you would think very specifically about how he was kind of holding his breath and and breathing mm. a lot as a character and so I just wanted to ask a little bit about finding those moments as well yeah, I think I don't know whether I learned this at drama school or something. Like that. I remember that breath was like a, a little a little session we played played with, and and then I I figured out in my own world that you know if you're having like an anxiety attack or something like that, your your breath is really high, and or if you're panicking, you're breathing really fast, and that maybe you know, or if you, someone walks into a room and they go, ah, oh, you immediately know that there's something wrong. You know, you're like, what? Well, and they don't even have to say anything. So I just thought if he's living in silence maybe that there is something in his breath that 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 the audience can hear or see um so yeah that that was another thing i i did and you know like if he's annoyed or just like sniffing just slightly or just like really uptight i felt that there was sometimes in in colin's life where he would he would be uptight yeah and you know you're bringing up drama school there and you've talked a little bit about how, you know, you always have just really, really meticulously worked with the script and the night before we'll always really go through it. And working on a show like this, where there's so many characters and so many storylines and, you know, there's scenes that Colin isn't in as well. Um, I was interested in how that like meticulous study of the script and really even looking at the journeys of all of the other characters and and scenes that you're not even in actually helps you in terms of developing Colin and and finding a lot of things for your performance at the same time. Yeah, because it's yeah, exactly. I think that is some some actors uh, don't like to to read scenes that I they aren't in because it doesn't exist for them, and I, I, I get that. But you know, I then you know the scene where Roy Kent says, "Oh, Colin's a chameleon; he'll he'll adapt to anything." That's a clue. That's a clue um, for me to say that he is that that is basically a fact. He is a chameleon, and then that um, just allow it gives me another layer and basically makes help helps me justify what I'm doing with the character of Colin so yeah you I prefer to read all of the script to see what's in you know like I there was a little scene where uh Higgins and Ted talk about my birthday and I don't know why but I saw that and then I found out what my birthday was <laughs> you know like I found out what Colin's birthday was uh so yeah so yeah there's there I I think that it always it's always there to inform you and uh yeah and then you can just I think with with a show like this where there's such a big ensemble you need everything you can get and I was just so passionate and so driven for Colin Hughes that um, my whole year was just um invested in making sure I knew everything about him. <laughs> and one of the things that became a central part of him was his repeated mantra of, I am a strong and capable man, yeah. um, which was part of his work with Dr. Sharon. Um, and it feels like that's not even just to do with his sexuality, that that's also to do with other aspects of his self-esteem in his life. And, you know, even when he was benched at one point, he understood that, okay, there's another player coming in who plays the same position as me and it's for the good of the team right now. Um, but also it felt like that kind of hit his self-esteem and his feeling of worthiness and, you know, what am I contributing? Am I not inspiring people enough? And so how did you find that that also kind of parlayed into other aspects of him as a character? Yeah, I think that that was a, a, that was a turning point. I, I think that it was almost like, I don't know, a bit of a blessing in disguise for Colin because he wasn't playing. He, fair enough, Zava was much better than him. Um, but I do believe that whilst being benched, he then 
he was probably so focused on football that he wasn't tackling and talking about and thinking about his own personal life. And I think having that time to actually not be on the football field um, allowed him to have those moments and to sort of really look at himself and, and be like, I'm not, I'm not living my 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 real self. So I think that that's why I say, yeah, it's a bit of a blessing in disguise because then you got to see the 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 outside world of Colin. Colin not in AFC Richmond, which was obviously started in episode three and then six and nine. Yeah, and we've also gotten to see different sides of his personality along the way, and you know his friendship and relationship with Jamie Tut has kind of taken a lot of different directions over the season as well. And you know he was one of the people that it felt like he really didn't love the idea of Jamie coming back to the team and was very acerbic towards him. And it was kind of like, now's my moment for retaliation because I feel like I've got the power in this situation against you. Um, And so did you find that that kind of gave you different spaces and different sides to be able to play into? Yeah. I think that looking back on that, I think that because me and uh, Collar, Isaac, we were like Jamie Tart, Jamie Tart's like little kind of minions. And I think that, bringing him back at that point would have just meant that Colin would have gone backwards probably into that role again but I think that with the growth of Jamie Tart and then the growth of Colin Hughes that maybe I didn't know that Jamie Tart was also trying to grow and be a better person so what you're seeing now is you're seeing as as you said like two guys that are that are in in a locker room and they're not being toxic they're not being bullies they're actually they can exist together and just be like happy and and I believe that Colin Hughes has always looked up to Jamie as as a, as a as a footballer, and then that just that that that's where the friendship is now. It's one of just respect for each other. Mm-hmm. And you were talking before about how obviously his personal life was affecting his play on the field. And so when you were filming scenes after he'd come out at the end of the season, how did that change the way that you wanted to, as a performer, play on the field in those scenes with him as a character? I think one with one of one with freedom. I think that that was. Uh, one with a bit more flow, um, and yeah, I mean, of course, football and is is hard. Even if even if you're feeling good and feeling at the top of your game, you're still you still may not do, do the best performances. But yeah, I think what we got to see after that was um, was someone playing with confidence, someone that knew his teammates were supportive of him, and uh, probably just felt like he was in the right place. And I think that going forward. He 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 feels that you know if there's another season, I don't think I don't think Colin Hughes wants to leave AFC Richmond anytime soon because he's with a great bunch of guys that you know accepts him for who he is. Yeah, I also love the match where at halftime they get to see the video of Nate destroying the believe scene, and that just completely riles them up, but to mm-hmm. such a chaotic level of energy. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to ask about getting to film those moments with the entire team because you know there's different moments where different players have different levels of aggression or emotion, but that was really just the whole team just came out there in one kind of mass. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like in those moments, I I always. I put I put Colin in there, but then I also put myself in there as well. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm just gonna go for it. Because those some of those scenes, especially that one, they will just keep rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And you are just screaming at the camera. You're just like, ah, it's quite therapeutic at the end of the day. You feel like you've just gotten a lot of a lot of stuff out of your body. But um uh yeah, with those ones, I think we are just we get to the point where we are. And then at the end, the finale scene where we are genuinely you know, when we're watching the the thing with the Ed Sheeran songs uh, playing alongside of it, that is that was one of genuine, and they just kept rolling it and you know seeing what happened, and we were all just we all ended up ended up crying because we were just watching 
um, a a TV screen of all of our memories, you know, and memories outside of Ted Lasso, you know, ones of us at the pub or at a restaurant or doing something, some kind of extracurricular activity, you know, (laughs) it was, um, it was really nice. And I imagine for the for the scene where they're in the the starting lineup, where they're all in tears as well, that that was probably something where it was just like channeling the emotions of the day. For all yeah, of yeah, that was like one of the last days, I think. Um, and and there was a lot of like knowing that this was going to be the last time you do this. This is going to be the last time you do that. This is going to be the last time you do that. So they were good at telling us that. You know, they were, you know the directors are smart. Um, so yeah, and then you feel that, and you're like, oh my god, this is like going to be the last time I'm playing football with this guy or I'm going to be on the field doing this and yeah it was um yeah it was it was emotional it was an emotional couple of couple of months towards the end and when it came to to filming the beginning of season three and the first time that we get to to kind of see Colin outside of the world of football and outside of his teammate teammates with Michael um you know and it's the two of them before he goes off to work for the day and drives his sports car terribly as always um (laughs) How did you feel that that gave you a totally different expression of the character in order to just be able to take him to a space where he feels completely free, completely relaxed and completely himself in that moment? Yeah, it was just one of it was one of joy, really. Once I read that script and I went, wow, OK, I've wanted this for him for so long just to have like a little moment and a little scene of his own. And um, and it was and it was that he woke up and he was in Michael's house. So yeah, that was just really, really great to see him do that. And then how I played that was just one of just complete um, freedom and and just being comfortable. And, you know, you, you got that in, in the, in the scene. And then, you know, he closes the door, puts his glasses on, hides in his car, says he's a strong, capable man. He has to do all these things, all of this stuff, every, probably every single day. Um, which is really, really sad. But yeah, in, in those moments where he he is just living living um, his own life, I cherish those so much. Yeah. And then obviously there were a couple of episodes in the lead up to then getting to kind of pick up the storyline in Amsterdam and everything that happened there. But for you as an actor, I, you always didn't get the scripts in advance. And, and I know that you kind of didn't know after that first kind of moment with Michael and and Trent having seen the two of them outside the restaurant where that storyline was going to lead and so did it kind of give you essences to be able to play into the character with just kind of living in that uncertainty yourself of I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know how this other character is going to treat or respond to my character now that he knows definitely you know what it does is it it gives you it it just almost like an obsession about your character because after episode three I saw Trent you know, I read that Trent sees um, Colin and then I'm like, I had to think of like four or five different outcomes of how that may carry it, carry throughout the season. So I'm just constantly in my downtime, just thinking, oh, maybe Trent does this. <gasps> maybe Trent does that. Maybe Colin does that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so then you have to, in a way, I just wanted to just be prepared for whatever came Colin's way. Um, but it went the right way. I think that that was, that was the, that was the one I wanted. That was the storyline I wanted where Trent is in solidarity and you know he is with Colin and he's not trying to splash it all over the newspapers and for this storyline to be scandalous because I think in our world that storyline should not be scandalous it should just be someone speaking their truth and this is who they are um so yeah it went the way that I wanted it to and I think every single 
every single bit has gone the way I think of course there was the the bump in the road with with Isaac and the uncertainty of that and you know that didn't make me feel great um and also yeah that went on for like I think in terms of like Ted Lasso time that was about three weeks where Colin and Isaac weren't actually talking you just see the the weekly episodes but that was a long time um so yeah that was that was tough for, for, for me to and I did and again you know you get that episode where you see Isaac and he sees the picture um but I didn't know where that was going to go either so you know I thought oh god I hope my best friend isn't going to just completely abandon me you know yeah. but but yeah it didn't happen <laughs> I I love the coming back together of, of Isaac and Colin where it's just them sitting and playing video games and at first they don't even have to have a specific conversation but through the fact that they're just sharing this activity there's little things that come out um and so did you feel like that that gave the two of you just a lot of space to really capture the intimacy of that friendship that's clearly built up so much over time for them yeah I think it was it's easy with with Collar I'm I'm good friends with him in real life um and yeah I think that the main thing was just to get back for for Isaac and Colin just that that normality and once they realized that there was a bit of crossed wires and they they didn't know how each other was feeling it was then you know that that let's just get back to being friends and let's go and play some some video games you know that was it and then yeah if he wants to ask me those questions he can you know <laughs> and that was that was yeah that was it was really cute it's a really cute moment and when he tells Isaac that he loves him and, you know, Isaac's response is, oh, you know, I'm not going to say that, but I do, you know, so in essence, he is saying it to him. Um, what did that mean to Colin for you to have that moment of just his best friend after everything that he's gone through with the uncertainty of not being sure if that relationship still exists to just be sitting there and having his best friend essentially say, I love you. Yeah. I think that he probably knew that he was never going to get maybe an I love you out of, out of Isaac anyway, because I think maybe Isaac needs some therapy so we can say that, say, I love you to a guy. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, he knew that, but that was enough just for, for him to hear from Isaac that, yeah, you know, I do. And then, and then that was it really. And then that was the icing, you know, the, the cherry on top of the cake really for, for the storyline of yeah, Colin this season. Yeah. No, I love that moment between the two of them and, and, Going back to, to Trent a little bit more as well, there's such a lovely mentorship and friendship that, that then exists between the two of them. And even just, you know, Colin kind of stealing him himself away to, to kind of seek his advice at one point without anybody else around knowing. Um, and so for you, what were the main elements of, of that sense of mentorship and just having a confidant in that space that also knows all the same people that he does? Because it's different to going home and talking to Michael about these people that Michael doesn't know as well. Oh, it's huge. I think that, yeah, obviously you see in Ted Lasso that some kind of matchups that you would never expect, you know, and I think, you know, with like Jeremy and um, Charlie, his cock in, in series in, in episode six, when they go into the jazz bar and you get you get the yeah, the beauty in people that you don't think are going to be friends or allies or confidants. They are in, in Ted Lasso. And I think that that um, I think that with Dr. Sharon not being in there as much that that Colin you know definitely needed someone or it would have just it, it aided him through it um and yeah that little scene where he closes the door on um on Ted and uh and talks to Trent and I think it, it what, what it is as well is it shows that Ted Lasso has given these guys the tools and then what it is is like Ted is slowly just dis not not distancing himself but removing himself from 
the play, like you know the play and we are all getting along together and asking each other for advice you know so ted lasso has given us that that confidence to actually talk amongst each amongst ourselves and with one another yeah and and colin talks about his relationships and the fact that he's had relationships in the past where people have been okay with the secrecy and then they've reached a point where they don't you know it kind of inhibits the intimacy reaching a certain level and so did you talk with Jason or any of the rest of the team about where you all felt like the relationship with Michael was at you know because even when Michael comes to the restaurant and it's introduced as one of his friends it's it it gives that dynamic of this isn't the first time that he's shown up and been Colin's friend to people on the outside world so they've clearly been together for a little bit yeah I think that there's yeah I think that with with other relationships in the past for Colin, that has definitely been the case. But I think that I think the most important thing was 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 the therapy for Colin. And I think that that with that, he was slowly seeing that with Michael, he could have he could merge the two together. He didn't know how. Um, I guess he just hoped that it wouldn't be another case of, yeah, oh, Michael's gonna get bored of this or Michael's gonna get uh sick of it. But Colin needed a lot of time. Um throughout the whole season then you see at the end Michael is still there and that will be I hope a really really meaningful relationship for Colin going forward mm-hmm. and I, I love the the beautiful speech and and kind of moment where he talks about the conversations that he'd had with with Dr. Sharon in terms of the two sides of his life and just not even wanting anything grand but just wanting to have those two sides of his his life exist and so what were the emotional beats of going into a film going into film a scene like that where it's really just expressing so much that he's been holding on to and feeling for so long yeah it's it was hard because my me and myself was crying out for him mm-hmm. um so but you don't want to put that on top of it because this is this boy's reality and he feels that there is no way there is no change but obviously you as you as the audience are like going oh my god i feel so sorry for this for this guy and when i when i read it of course i was I was really upset, but then he wouldn't necessarily, he would be upset and and and, and almost confused, but um, it was one of just like, this is impossible for me, you know, and that was just something I had to play where, and that's what's so heartbreaking about this, about that is because then you watch it as, as an, as an audience member and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this boy does not see that he, he, he is enough and he, and he can and, 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 um, and you know you want to talk to him. You want to give him a hug. Everyone, everyone I see on Twitter and stuff is like, I just want to give this boy a hug, um, and and I did as well. You know, and I think that was that was it really. I think I just wanted to play it of as, as th- almost like confusion in his mind, but it's impossible. What's the point in even talking about it? Because nothing's going to change. I'm just telling you, you're Trent Krim. You're going to be my ally, but not everyone else will. So then it's heartbreaking. It really is. And then when it comes to him coming out in front of the rest of the team in the locker room, um, you know, even just I'm thinking back to what you were talking about in terms of just holding a lot inside, doing a lot of work in terms of eyes and breathing, mm-hmm. because there's that there's that real deciding moment of is this the moment where I'm going to get up and tell everybody because it's not a planned moment for him. It's because of the circumstances that it feels like the right moment in the moment. Um, and so what were a lot of the internal beats that were at play and kind of going into that that decision making right before he steps steps up and speaks in front of the whole team well yeah so we had the camera like kind of coming 
almost really slowly towards me whilst everyone else was kind of talking about Isaac and and saying saying this and saying that oh if he's, you think he's gay if he's gay that's not a problem da, 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 da. oh real well you know that that you know that there'll be even more gay people in this in this uh, room da, da, da. and I think that it all just got too much for him in that moment and he just yeah that was it that was that was the moment because he, he's probably had many times where those conversations were about the lock in, in and around the locker room and it was I feel like it was the right time for him um to to talk about it because you know he's yeah there, there, there was a lot going on there was a lot going on for him and uh yeah and and I think it was interesting that the audience don't see it that, that it's actually between him and the team you know it kind of goes it cuts into where um Roy and uh, Isaac are so yeah it's it's him and his discussion with the team yeah and it, it was one of my favorite moments at, at the end of episode 12 where we see him running onto the field the fans are starting to run on the field and just that thing of he's instantly looking for Michael in that moment mm-hmm. and even just the embrace that they have it felt important that Colin was the one to kind of like lean forward first and initiate it um, and yeah. was that was that a conscious decision on your part of like this is again you know because it's another choice that he's making he hasn't necessarily been in this space before where he's wanted to be public but now is the moment where he feels confident and comfortable enough for that yeah I think it all it kind of just goes back to everything being on Colin's choice of when to do something I think that 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 was what was always so important for me um and yeah I think that there was that was something that maybe that day or the, the night before that him and Michael spoke about you know that if we win I'll I'll try and find you get on the pitch. Cause you know, when, when, when we'll win, the fans get to go on the pitch. Um, and yeah, that was it. He was looking for him. Um, and I think out of just, uh, just at pure elation and then having Michael there on, on the field was, um, was that moment where he was like, yeah, this is, this is the right time for me. I'm going to do it. And then he did it, you know, which is going to be interesting because if there is a season four or, or whatever, then that's something that will need to be spoken about because, you know, people would have seen it, the, the cameras, the journalists, the public, you know, would have probably, most probably seen that, um, which, yeah, that would be, that's that, that's the that's the main thing I'm thinking of, really. I even, once I saw the episode, I was like, wow, that was in front of everyone. <laughs> you know, like, uh, if there is a season four, we're going to have to tackle that. <laughs> and for you and working on the show, you, you've spoken previously about how when you first came into the show and you looked around at some of the people that you were working with and some of the experience that they came to the table with that you almost had a little bit of a sense of imposter syndrome in, in looking around the room. And, you know, this was your first series regular in a TV show as well. And so how, when you look back at who you were, when you stepped onto set in on day one at the beginning of the first season, and you look at who you are as a, as a performer and as a creative person at this point, how do you feel like you've really grown and evolved over the three seasons personally? Oh, it's been, I mean, I, I had three years at drama school and I had three years at Ted Lasso and it feels like an education the, the exact same way. Um, I think it was something like Brian Cranston said, like you need like a thousand hours to even get to grips of being on a TV set and being on a film set and having that experience. And even I feel like I've really done it in, in like such a amazing way because I feel like I got I learned the ropes in series one. I learned off people. I copied off of people. Um, and then season two, I then started to get a little bit more responsibility in terms of the camera being on me. And then series three was like, cool, you've learned that. Go and do it yourself. And 
that it's just been such a, an amazing education for me and I just feel really fortunate because I know that you know acting when you when you leave drama school you get you know the uh, one episode here or one episode there two episodes there that I've got the the the, the ability and and the luxury of being on a Warner Brothers Apple TV set for three years and the first first um series I wasn't really doing a lot so all I was doing was just was just was just observing you know and it was really really cool and yeah and then that all informed me into how I should do the work in series three I love that and you you've brought so many fantastic things into this character and you know especially with the storyline over this last season so thank you so much Billy I really appreciate it thank you thank you nice to talk to you